the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into hour two six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero six zero two fifty eighty nine sixty. This is important. I want to read it to you, Ben Weingarten. We haven't had him on in a while. I got to get him back on. Good man. Uh, I'm writing about U.S. government titled of his piece. U.S. government says inability to censor you causes the government irreparable harm. This is really important. Work with me on this one. He writes, the U.S. government betrayed its total and utter contempt for the First Amendment in in a recent filing in the landmark Missouri v. Biden free speech case. This was the case we discussed it with Brett Johnson out of um, uh, uh, where two attorneys general were suing the Biden administration to keep them from censoring social media companies and prevailed. The filing, a motion responding to Judge Terry Dowdy's Injunction freezing federal government-led speech policing calls for the judge to permit the federal government to continue its censorship activities while it fights the ruling, while it fights the injunction. Well, Judge Dowdy has now smacked the federal government down, ruling against its motions. The federal, the Fed's perverse position merits scrutiny, especially given it's likely to persist in it for as long as the case is litigated and as high as it will reach, perhaps up to the Supreme Court. In other words, the federal government really, really, really wants to be able to censor. The crux of the government's argument for staying the injunction was this, prohibiting federal authorities from abridging speech directly and by proxy could lead to, quote, grave harm to the American people and our democratic processes, thereby causing the government irreparable harm, close quote. The federal government actually wrote that. Another way to read the government's argument is that if it can't interfere in elections or engage in rampant viewpoint discrimination, that causes it irreparable harm. Still another way to read the government's argument is that your right to free speech causes it irreparable harm. These are fair characterizations based on the merely limited but no less stunning or overwhelming evidence the plaintiffs have obtained in Missouri v. Biden to date. Evidence Judge Doty marshaled in rebutting the Fed's argument, substantiating and then sustaining the injunction. The case has revealed that a raft of federal agencies buoyed by senior White House officials and lawmakers and a coterie of often government-coordinated and government-funded anti-disinformation cutouts have chided, cajoled, and colluded with social media platforms to get them to suppress unauthorized opinions and even inconvenient facts to ruling class orthodoxy at a mass scale. Among the matters these speech policing partners have worked to suppress are the Hunter Biden laptop story in the run-up to the 2020 presidential election, Questions about election integrity and outcomes beginning during the same cycle and continuing thereafter, and virtually every aspect of the Chinese coronavirus pandemic since its outset. 
The government and its putatively private partners have imposed this censorship regime, one that evidence suggests has impacted at least hundreds of millions of of pieces of content on grounds that mis, dis, and malinformation, MDM, as determined by authorities who themselves have often proven the most prolific and powerful purveyors of misinformation, threaten the republic. Like all good tyrannies, in other words, this one has been for the good of its victims, don't you know, to protect our national security and public health. After all, questions about mail-in balloting can lead to insurrection, don't you know? Questions about vaccine efficacy can get people killed. Therefore, as the government's lawyers indicated in response to Judge Dowdy's raising of hypothetical examples of wrong think about elections or pandemic mitigation during a May hearing in the case, the feds don't necessarily consider such wrong think protected First Amendment speech. The government's position in this case is in keeping with the views and policies of the security state that has been the tip of the spear for government-led censorship activities. The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, known as CISA, a sub-agency of the Department of Homeland Security, has been the linchpin of government-led speech policing. It has treated Americans' questions about election integrity and outcomes on social media effectively as a digital domestic terror attack on critical election infrastructure and used that national security predicate to induce social media platforms to censor accordingly. These efforts flow naturally from Director Jen Easterly's view that America's most critical infrastructure is our quote-unquote cognitive infrastructure. This is a recipe for nothing less than the federal control of the American mind. The Biden administration's national strategy for countering domestic terrorism calls for the whole of society application of this view, perhaps unsurprisingly given that one of the strategy's architects, Joshua Geltzer, co-authored a piece with Miss Easterly back in 2018 indicating the shared belief in the imperative to defend cognitive infrastructure. To confront long-term contributors to domestic terrorism, the strategy calls for, quote, enhancing faith in government and addressing the extreme polarization fueled by a crisis of disinformation and misinformation often channeled through social media platforms. That should scare the heck out of you. I'll give it to you again. In their paper, they write, to confront long-term contributors to domestic terrorism, The strategy calls for enhancing faith in government and addressing the extreme polarization fueled by a crisis of disinformation and misinformation often channeled through social media platforms. It goes on to say, by accelerating work to contend with an information environment that challenges healthy democratic discourse and working to counter the influence and impact of dangerous conspiracy theories. What could possibly go wrong with the federal government working with social media companies to fight, in their phrase, domestic extremism by combating disinformation and misinformation. What could possibly go wrong with the government explaining what misinformation and disinformation is? If wrong think leads to wrong action, Weingarten writes, then the areas of speech ripe for suppression are limitless. This is what has happened, as Missouri v. Biden has exposed. While the government apparently sees your right to speak as conditional, it views its power to censor as virtually absolute. 
The feds claim that the injunction prohibiting them from maintaining their censorship regime by halting relevant communications with government colluding cutouts and social media platforms constitutes an assault on government speech. Did you know the government had a first the first amendment protected the government not the individual? You didn't, I bet you didn't. Cuz it doesn't. That is, the government has the chutzpah to claim that in being prohibited from censoring, it's being censored, or that preventing the feds from violating the First Amendment, as the injunction does, somehow violates the First Amendment. How many other amendments do you think they think are there to protect the government and not the citizen? That's a frightening, frightening thought. This is despite the fact, he writes, the injunction lays out a myriad lays out myriad areas where the feds can continue coordinating with social media companies, including in the very areas of national security that the feds fearmonger will suffer under the injunction. Amazingly, the feds also contend the injunction prevents the feds from speaking on matters of public concern. When is the last time you heard the federal government concerned that it can't talk on matters of public concern? I think I do remember... In the annals of my mem- in the annals of history, Bill Clinton was complaining that he was having a hard time getting his message out because of Rush Limbaugh. Something like that rings a bell, and it was absurd on its face. A man that can give a nationally televised speech anytime he wants, or a press conference to any number of outlets anytime he wants, or have any of those outlets or late night comedy shows have him on their show anytime he wants. Same for the vice president, same for every cabinet official. They're worried that they aren't going to be able to get their message out? Selling me for thinking we were having a hard time getting our message out because of the censorship. Do you remember that time, Bill, when they said they were censoring us on YouTube because only federal government spokesmen could be quoted on public health? So we tested it and found a government spokesman who agreed with us and read that public spokesman's speech verbatim with no commentary. The public spokesman who had an MD and PhD, one in immunology and one is psychology, and they censored it. Threats to our financial freedom and stability are growing. Russia, India, China, Brazil, Saudi Arabia, they're all conducting international trade in local currencies, not the U.S. dollar. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system and causing failures. The Biden administration sends hundreds of billions of dollars abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure. However, the biggest financial threat may be coming from within. Central bank digital currency is real. The patents have been filed, and the big banks have released plans for implementation. The vets at Midas Gold Group see devastating implications. The end of cash, the end of financial privacy, big government able to see your every purchase. Could there be ties to social credit? Own private currency, gold and silver. Now get free silver just for asking Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Call Midas Gold Group today at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com, the only precious metals dealer that Seb Gorka and I 
and so many of you already know and trust. What are you trying to semaphore me? Give me a semaphore for. What did I do? I'm sending up smoke signals. What, what oh, did... you didn't do anything wrong. Okay. Say, do you know Little River Band's reminiscing? Yes. Okay, Hurry, so don't I be late. It. I can hardly wait. I heard it in the supermarket. It's a fabulous day. song. It's a great song. And right? that little trumpet and this, solo. Our, our, our rejoin got me thinking. Yeah. Is the Miller Band that they're referring to the Steve Miller Band? Yes. Or the Glenn Miller Band? No, Glenn. Glenn. Because it's like Glenn, reminiscing. Glenn. No, about totally the past. Glenn. No, okay, it's, I, was, I was wondering. No, yeah, Glenn. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, that. Glenn Miller. That's a great song. You may now proceed with your following programming. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I could straighten that out for you. Ken is in Chandler. Hello, Ken. Hey, Beth. How are uh, you? Great show this afternoon. Thank I'm, you. I'm doing well, man. Great show this afternoon. Uh, great analysis and. Uh, and kind of the section of this whole um, lawsuit uh, and injunction against the government. It's really frightening, man. I, the idea that the government believes this stuff is what worries me the most. Well, that, that, I think that's just it. I think that it really, it really exposes the ideology of the current administration, you know, um, because you can't just have one person in one department saying, hey, this is a great idea, let's restrict speech. You have to have multiple agency heads to kind of go along with it. That's right. It's very widespread. Yes, of course. You have to have attorneys who believe this because they're filing these briefs. The idea that attorneys think that the government is entitled to First Amendment protection, I, you know, I, I know, I know the law school world. Yeah, go ahead. It's first First Amendment protection against whom and from whom. Yeah, exactly. We are the people. We We provide them with the guidelines of what their parameters are. It's not the other way around. Yeah, no, that's exactly right, Ken. The Bill of Rights... (laughs) The Bill of Rights was not given to us and written by James Madison in order to make sure that the government was protected. It was exactly the opposite. And the idea that the government can't get its message out was another... It's another reversing of the peephole. Again, we had the First Amendment precisely so that we could challenge the government. That was the concern. The concern that's, was that's whether exactly we would be it. able to challenge the government verbally, the written word, any other in an, uh, any other form of communication. The First and Amendment the was not is, meant to is, censure Americans. It was for Americans to censure their government, censure, criticize. And that's exactly, I mean, the government doesn't have any issues, uh, uh, currently, or rather that they, they, they're holding an issue with their restrictions or potential restrictions on social media, right? Yep. Under the guise of for the good of the people. Yeah, public health um, and whereas, national security. That should frighten you. Whenever, yeah. Right. And and whereas the government doesn't have any issues um, accessing private databases that are compiled uh, with all of your information so they can further other investigations. Yes. Right? Where otherwise they can't get search warrants or they don't have the legal means to, uh, to to um, to request from a court certain information they can get from records, they can go out into the public and for a fee they pay public uh, a private uh, domain to give them information on individuals. So they don't have a problem when it goes the other way. When they want the information, when we, when they want uh, all of your private information through through private enterprise, but when it goes the other way around, where they want to restrict private organizations, i.e., social media. Um, they have an issue with it. Yeah, no, that's a very good point, too, Ken. Is it easier for the government to get information on us or us to get information from the government through a FOIA request, you know, a 
uh, a Freedom of Information Act request. What do you think is easier? And which way should it be? Which direction should that flow? What should be easier? Should it be easier for the government to get information on us or us on the government? Well, it, it definitely, without a doubt, we need to have we need to have the access to the government. Um, obviously, certain national security issues aside, but we need to have more transparency with the government and have easier access to the information that they have on us. Because there is, you know, if if anything, uh, we didn't learn after nine eleven the overreach with the government and how uh, how they they dug so deep into everybody's, you know, with all this metadata and uh, supercomputers. Um, you know, we, we learned just how far they were reaching in and violating our uh, our civil rights without us even knowing about it. You know, after 9-11, to be sure, Ken, but how about throughout the entirety of the 1970s when we were turning ourselves upside down over reforming the CIA and the FBI through and their projects like COINTELPRO and things like that? I mean, the idea that the left used to... The, the left used to get this rather intuitively. I remember hearing an interview with leftist uh, First Amendment scholar back in the 80s. She said, whenever someone from the government says the phrase national security, uses the term national security, you know either a crime is being committed or a lie is being told. Now, that's an overreach. That's an overstretch. But that is the way the left used to think. That is right. the way the left used to. I mean, I, did, I didn't buy it then, and I and I wouldn't buy it now. But I am awfully suspicious, and we should all be a lot more suspicious, especially when they want to maintain such a wholesale ability. Now, there's another element to this too, Ken, which I don't think should be forgotten either. Aside from the constitutional, the public policy. Are, did we do better throughout COVID because of the government's efforts to censor what they called misinformation, or did we do worse? I think that question well, really I, needs to be front and center, because I think it's very clear that if the folks like Bhattacharya and uh, the Great Barrington, and if I can throw some of our side in there as well, I think if we weren't censored and more people took our positions or heard them or saw them or read them, we would have avoided an awful lot of damage, an awful lot. Just look at the school system. Look there's, at there's, the, the schools. Absolutely, question. Ken. You're absolutely right. I'm going to talk with Bethany Mandel a little bit about this later. We've got, uh, oh, good, great. We have Debbie Lesko coming up. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. what we had a call we this has happened to us once or twice before and i don't remember the other bands in play but during the break we had mentioned um the little river band well we had mentioned the little little river band before break and during break so the break someone called to tell us they're actually in phoenix this weekend right so we're going to go see them together <laughs> well let's 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 am i jumping the let, gun let, yeah early? let's let's i slow, wasn't supposed to let the audience know i sl- see sl- I get, slow I it, it down there Haas. <laughs> slow it down there we, we use a couple of their songs, but this is not the first time an a, a, a band of the 70s and 80s has uh, been mentioned here. And someone said, hey, you know, they're going to be here. These casinos have really – I think it's at the, one of the casinos, Talking Stick or some – or Salt River. I don't know which one. But they really have brought back a lot of great musicians. I mean, amongst whatever else you want to say about them, 
they have brought some great musical venue reviews and and concerts uh, to uh, uh, to our um, to our various communities. Who did I? See? Who who the other day went? They went and saw bare naked ladies at one of the casinos. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, while we're waiting for Debbie, um, more on this government censorship thing. The um, there's a Yale law professor named Stephen Carter who uh, we had mentioned here about a month ago because he was a bo- an old book he had written on affirmative action was being re-reviewed by the New York Times for its prescience. Uh, African-American legal scholar who had certain doubts about the benefits of race-based affirmative action, not not as far as the Supreme Court went, not as not as full of doubt as someone like Shelby Steele, perhaps, but doubts from a reasonable liberal. Anyway, he writes, Stephen Carter just wrote, picture a Republican administration engaging with social media companies to recommend that they delete or slow the spread of posts discussing voter suppression. Why? Because the White House experts have debunked most of the claims and the rest, even if not provably false, nevertheless are dubious. Imagine that some of the requests are as specific as this, quote, wanted to flag the below tweet, and I'm wondering if we can get moving on the process of having it removed ASAP, close quote. And just in case the companies miss the point, suppose that an administration official states publicly that the White House is, quote, assessing whether social media platforms are legally liable for misinformation spread on their platforms, close, close quote. <coughs> Excuse me. Stephen Carter writes, Professor Carter writes, I'd like to think we'd all be outraged. We should all be similarly outraged by the Joe Biden administration effort to police misinformation on COVID-19 on social media platforms, a campaign from which all the above quotes are taken. For reasons I'll come to, I doubt that last week's preliminary injunction by a Louisiana federal judge aimed at halting the program will stand up on appeal, but the likelihood that the order will be narrowed doesn't reduce the extent to which the White House actions rest on principles antithetical to democracy. Principles antithetical to democracy. That's what Stephen Carter, liberal law professor at Yale, is saying about the Biden administration. And then he writes, no joke. When the lawsuit was first filed, he writes, I was skeptical. The feds jawbone companies all the time. Now, having made my way not once but twice through Judge Dowdy's 155-page opinion, I find myself stunned and depressed at the degree to which the Biden administration, from its first days in office, has used its influence to limit the audience for views that differ from views that differ from its own. Stunned he was how much the Biden administration was censoring opinion. Viewpoint discrimination. That is the worst violation of the First Amendment there is. Viewpoint discrimination. Views different from its own is what it was censoring. Restoring norms. What norms? When they, when they said they wanted to restore norms, the Bidens... What norms were they talking about? They weren't the norms of this country.
Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. It is a privilege and honor to welcome back to the show Debbie Lesko, proudly representing Arizona's 8th Congressional District. How are you, Congresswoman Lesko? How are you, Debbie? I'm great, Seth. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing just fine, thank you. Always nice to hear from you. And I um, like this bill. I want to talk to you about it on um, uh, that you just introduced to deter states from providing driver's license to illegal immigrants. But before we get to that, or take it any way you want, but I did want to get from you some thoughts on where we are on um, combating illegal immigration. It's this interesting thing. The Democrats keep saying it's the Republicans' fault. <laughs> it's some kind of psychological projection, huh, Debbie? Yeah, well, they they want to cast blame on Republicans any way they can, yeah. but there's no one else to blame except President Biden and the Democrats. I mean, it, it's very obvious. On day one that President Biden got in office, he stopped construction of the border wall. I talked to people in Yuma, Arizona, Jonathan Lines, who's a county oh, supervisor yeah. sure. down there, yeah. and he said that, you know, well, like almost two years ago now, the Biden administration promised them that they were going to close the gaps that are in the border wall right now in Yuma, and they still haven't done it. I mean, they just, they want an open border. And so let's just look at the numbers yeah. for the difference. Okay, so in May of this year, uh, 200, 4, 000, over 204,000 people were apprehended at the border trying to get into the United States. And compare that to May of 2020, when Trump was in office, it was 23,237. So 23,000 versus 205,000. Debbie, that sounds like <laughs> the difference. Yeah, year. that sounds like the difference between historic low and historic high. Uh, it's uh, it's it's a difference of policy. Yeah, yeah. So under Trump, uh, the amount of people trying to get in was much lower. Under Biden, because he, oh, you know, he welcomes everybody basically from around the world. It's it's much higher. And then if you talk about the fiscal year at the southwest border in 2020, when Trump was in power, the total amount in fiscal year 2020 was 458,000 illegal immigrant apprehensions. And just this year alone, in the first eight months of fiscal year 23, 1.6 million uh, apprehensions. That's just in eight months compared to under Trump, much less. Then you talk about the drug seizures. All right. In May of 2020, when Trump was in power, there was 240 pounds per month of fentanyl. Guess what it is now? May of 2023, 2.7 thousand pounds of fentanyl per month that have been seized. And and there's a, a lot, obviously, that hasn't been seized. And we don't know how much hasn't been seized. And then the gotaways, and these are the ones that we really have to worry about, is the people that run away from Border Patrol because they probably have criminal records already in the United States, so they know that they'll be deported, 
or they're on the terrorist watch list or some other nefarious reason. And we suspect that there is 1.5 million gotaways under the Biden administration. And those are people that have been detected either by sensors or by cameras, but the Border Patrol hasn't been able to catch them. And of those um, amounts of people that have come in that were caught, there are, what now, 125 people just in the first eight months of this fiscal year whose names are on the terrorist watch list. And those are just the ones that we caught. Okay. So it, it, this is a huge problem. And it's because of Biden and the Democrats. They want an open border. And the Border Patrol officers, instead of being able to do their job, all they're doing is processing uh, basically tourists into the United States. I mean, they're kind of like travel agents because they process them, they get them on planes, they get them on buses, they go all through the United States. That's what they're doing while the cartels are making billions of dollars smuggling people and smuggling drugs. It's just pathetic. And we haven't even talked about the cost of all of this, which runs into, I've seen estimates that the cost of this per year to the United States taxpayer might be as high as $150 billion a year. It might be lower. It might, it, that actually might be an under, an undercount or an underestimate if you think about, you know, dealing with all the crime and other issues that come along with it. I mean, this, this is a perfect storm. Deadly drug cartels, crime in our communities, terrorists entering the country, human and sex trafficking. Debbie, the, the, there's, it seems to me that we can only go on so long before this becomes irreversible. Well, yes, and this is a prime example of why elections have consequences. And the reason, one of the prime reasons why people have to vote, and, and quite frankly, why people have to vote for candidates that want to secure the border. Yeah. And I can tell you, President Biden uh, campaigned on keeping the border open and inviting more illegal immigrants here. And, and of course, President Trump did not. He wanted to secure the border. And one of my pieces of legislation that I have introduced would actually reinstate the Remain in Mexico Good. policy, which Good. is one of the main things that we can do to stop the flow of illegal immigration. And the Republicans in the U.S. House of Representatives uh, months ago now passed a border security bill that includes that uh, out of the House. Now it's dead in the Senate. And that is, again, a prime example of why elections have consequences. Because in the Senate, it's a Democrat majority. More Democrats were elected than Republicans. And that's why the next U.S. Senate seat in Arizona is so important yeah. because you have Ruben Gallego, the Democrat, who's a big open border mm -hmm. guy. We don't want him in there. No. Um, and so people need to get involved because this is a very important issue. Now, my red light act would withhold federal highway funds from states that provide driver's license or identification cards to illegal immigrants. I don't think they should have them, and I don't think states that provide driver's license to illegal immigrants should get federal highway funds. Well, good for you. I thank you for that and the Red Light Act and that update and everything you're doing to stay focused on it. I've been down there uh, 
like you, I think um, Jonathan Lyons has led my last two tours when I was there. Let me tell people if they want to help uh, learn more about your Red Light Act or anything else, go to your website, lesco.house.gov. And I also want to give out your Twitter account because people should be retweeting your information. The information has to get out there. Your handle is at Reb D, excuse me, at Rep D Lesco, at Rep D Lesco. Debbie, thank you for the update. Really appreciate it and your hard work on this. Thank you so much, Seth. You bet. I really appreciate you. Absolutely. Well, thank you. (laughs) That means a lot. Debbie Lesko, uh, proudly representing our 8th Congressional District. Common sense. And really, you know, when you think about what she's standing up for here, the whole country, the whole country. Madison said we're partly federal and partly national. And um, she's, you know, speaking out certainly from the district, but trying to protect our country. When you have an administration that simply won't, that simply won't won't. Follow her, help her out, support her, get the stories around, folks. I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Uh, We're going to have Bethany Mandel on in a few moments, but let me put in a word uh, on behalf of Y-Refi, who point out that with all the bank failures and stock market volatility the um, non-transitory inflation and the talk of recession. They have an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose, and no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Your interest is compounded daily, you're paid monthly, and there are no fees. A secure, collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. Why Refi is based here locally. I encourage you to stop by their offices. They do too. On Scottsdale Road in the 101, I've been there a few times. And I can tell you, you will not get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign anything. But when you do meet with the team at Why Refi, you'll see why I trust them and you can too. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm where you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. 888-YREFI-34. Um, when you think about the issues that Debbie Lesko was bringing up, the immigration, the illegal immigration issue, let me ask you a question. With how terrible those numbers are that she reported, how devastating those numbers are that she reported on crime, on fentanyl, on the getaways, on the influx, on the trafficking. Um, How much reporting do you see on it? We used to see a lot more. We used to see a lot more. And the reason I'm asking that is, you know, even on this show, when I, when I talk to people running for office, I, you often will hear me ask them, what are you asked about most? What question is most, most frequently asked in your town halls, et cetera? And immigration usually, illegal immigration usually comes up one or two. We have a lot we're dealing with here, whether it was what I spent the first part of this hour talking about with the First Amendment, whether it's any number of issues, whether it's a presidency that's just out to lunch, Gone fishing, illegal immigration, crime, the drug crisis in and of itself, 
110,000 Americans from overdose poisoning last year, record high, which beat the year before, which was a record high. How much reporting are you seeing on these things? Um, demand more. Demand more from us in talk radio. Demand more from your local and national media. The country needs it. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 